All right, so let's talk a little bit about the markets here. Welcome to Bull Bear Radio. Market pricing's nuts. Each week, we catch up with WBI's experts, Matt and Don Schreiber. Down 77%. You know what you need to recover from that? A miracle. WBI brings you wealth-building market insights. Hey, I'm Matt Schreiber, and this is uh, Bull Bear Radio. Hey, Don Schreiber, I got him here. He is going to talk to us today about something. Maybe the markets, maybe the economy, maybe this volatility. There's been a lot of volatility in the last week or so. We went from no volatility to volatility. What's up with the volatility lately? What volatility means the market goes up and down. Whoa. Whoa. Because you've been saying the market only you know goes up if the sun comes out. Sun keeps comes going up, up, market goes up. Yeah, well, not last week. Not last week. I well, mean, uh, whoa. You know, we've been warning, we've been warning investors and uh, our listeners about risk for a long time. When markets get really overvalued, anything can happen. Anything can happen, right? I so, mean, heck, the Eagles won the Super Bowl. The Eagles won. The, anything, anything can, can happen. happen. Anything first can time, happen. First time in Eagles history. Yeah, they win the Super Bowl. What a nice game! Well, hey, wow, I enjoyed it. It yeah. was awesome. Well, Very close. Well, hey, Alshon burned him for a touchdown, and then they had to put his old teammate on there, uh, Stephon Gilmore, to shut him down. And two game cops battling it man, out. Were they battling a, out? Yeah, that was that was a yep. fight. That yep. was. A, that was really a big fight. It was a big fight. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of volatility last week. Markets ended the week, you know, down. It was the worst day, actually, last Friday uh, for the market since 2016. Almost two years. It was the Brexit event that really took it down. And, and that's uh, a couple of years ago. And that's what happened on Friday. Volatility down, you know, a down day. And, uh you know, we'll have to see how this week shapes shapes up, but uh, so, it was it was bad. So let's get into what's causing blood it. in the streets. Let's, yeah, let's get into what's causing. Is this, this is it inflation? Is that what everybody's? So I, I really I really think that we uh, are seeing the bond market start to capitulate to the idea that we're going to get inflation. For the last couple of years, the Fed has been raising interest rates, and inflation hasn't. Budged, it's been low. It's right? been low. Yep. Hasn't budged. Everybody's been looking for wage price pressure. Well, none we, of that. We've got lots of wage increases. Yeah. Well, I mean, none on. of that in the last few years. Yeah. You were on the and, last few years. And so here. we had one of the strongest months on record in January, up almost three percent for the month. That's a big number. Right. And uh, well, raising of the minimum wage and such. And a lot of big companies came out and said that they're going to pay their hourly workers more and all that kind of good stuff. And all that's a good thing. So it all kicked in. All that's a good thing. But as we've said in pre previous episodes, you know, if the Fed starts to get nervous and, and loses their mind, gets aggressive, shuts this recovery that we've had for, you know, almost 10 years down. Yep. Well, we got a new they Fed show coming in this they week. They can do it. So, yeah. I really don't this think this is it, his first week on the job. Yeah, he's he's starting to inherit a, a pretty ugly cycle that could be a high, quick spike in inflation. Ooh, spike, spike, spikes! Right on the back of very fast growth compared to where we've been. We're looking at you know we had it, uh, if we ta if we backed out the inventory adjustments that we're talking about we had good growth and, yeah last and, week we were talking about yeah that. and the uh, instead of two point six percent GDP we'd be at four. a three three percent plus number yeah mid three so we, we get almost Easy. up to four I think first quarter you know we're looking around four right now we're tracking all of the indications 
are, are looking like we're tracking at about a 4% GDP number for the first quarter. Now, hey, let's compare that to last year's first quarter, 1.6. Usually the first quarter is soft. a soft a quarter. Soft, yep. ba- the worst quarter of the year. Yeah, we're in the last have, few years, we're, it's, we're it's go, been on like a bell curve. So, you know, the first and fourth quarters have been soft. The second so and third, first good. quarter of 2018 over first quarter of 2017, 4% potential against 1.6%. That's better than two to one. Yeah, well, we have 200% increase. That's a big number. Yeah. Fed's going to sit there and say, okay, so ne- we haven't even seen the effect of uh, the tax act. Increased consumer spending, more spending on CapEx by companies, which really ramped up in the fourth quarter, CapEx, which led yeah. CapEx. Yeah, CapEx. CapEx? CapEx. Ca- CapEx. Whatever. Uh, whatever. Potato, potato. It's potato, potato. Tomato, yeah. tomato. Come on. Yeah, man. Come on. Yeah, man. Come on. Let's get back to the facts. Yeah. All right. So, you're, you're, so you're, you're, companies you're, are spending some money, which is a good thing. They're spending money on wages. They're reinvesting in the business. This could all lead to, you know, uh, stronger sales and earnings, right? You betcha. And I think that that's good. You know, we're having uh, earnings really are strong. I mean, about fifty percent of companies are now reporting. Right. Yeah. And we've got a very strong cycle Big going week on this week. So we got about thirteen point four percent earnings growth so far, with fifty percent companies reporting according to FactSet, which is a big number, 13.4, yeah, right? Yeah, and the Bloomberg guys have it in at 14-plus uh, percent on earnings growth uh, for the quarter with uh, 256, you know, reporting, so. Looks like a strong quarter, right? Most yeah. Most of that's not... None of that's tax effect for 2017. We're talking about the fourth should quarter really of 2017. Should we really be looking at earnings, or should we be looking more at revenue that's going to set the well, tone and pace for this uh, this economic growth? I think if you're looking for 2018, I think you got to look at uh, what revenue is. So we've got adjusted earnings because companies are getting in this huge one-time tax, tax reduction, yep. right? Yep. So, I mean, the tax reduction continues. Uh, for most people, and we've got a repatriation bonanza. windfall, a yeah, bonanza. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, what happens is we're going from a higher tax bracket to a lower tax bracket and showing up for the first time in 2018. So that's kind of a one-off, right? And it's we're seeing earnings being pushed up by maybe 20% or so above what their normal growth rate is. Uh, even more towards the end of the year, big numbers. Yeah, I mean the the earnings expectation numbers for the you know uh, first, second, third, fourth quarter. What are they, Matt? What do they look like? Uh, if I'm not mistaken, they go from you're look yeah you know about 14 percent up to about 28 yeah, percent by the fourth quarter. Yeah, yeah. I mean those are nuts numbers, you know. Yeah. But that's tax effect. Yeah, we're gonna probably get uh, earnings growth, natural earnings growth of uh, 10, 11, 12 percent in there still really really strong yep and we've get that's on on the back of uh gdp numbers when you look at the strength of the economy you look at the extreme the strength of uh corporate uh reporting yep and you combine that with the spike back to spike in inflation the fed could move more aggressively by either raising interest rates faster get a 50 point rate hike in march right Try to cool things Ooh, down. Man, that wouldn't be good. No, that wouldn't be good. Or keep it at 25 and indicate that we're probably going to raise rates four times instead of three as we see what's going on, and that's going to spook the market. The Fed 
Yeah, let's not spook spook the market. No, nope, I mean, the Fed always causes a recession. They love to spook the market. They always cause a recession. Yep. One of the things I think would be criminal is if you take all this capital that the U.S. taxpayer, right? We're yep. talking about deficit finance tax reductions. Yeah. And the Fed intervenes too hard, too fast, causes a recession, and essentially takes all of the tax benefit of growth in the economy out. Basically, they cancel it by getting too aggressive with interest yeah, well, rates. And, and if that is not the pathway to prosperity. That is a sure right pathway to uh, economic, economic slowdown yes. and market correction. Yes, and and if the the market takes a hit, I, I mean, you wrote a book a couple of years all about dividend investing. It's it's out in its second edition. If you haven't. You know, uh, been to the bookstore lately. It's it's probably out on one of those electronic things that you got, you know, laying around the house. And uh, it actually talks about, um, you know, the gain that you may have and the return, negative return, that could easily erase that gain. So if, if you're wondering, you're looking at your portfolio, you got good cumulative returns in there, what could wipe out your return in its entirety? So there are two risk factors I see. Yeah. Which we've talked about earlier. Take a look at that. We've got the crowded, unbelievably crowded trade into passive index products. So check this out. $44 billion into ETFs this year. $44 billion. In, in one month. In the United States, in right? In one month. We're talking one month. $15.75 of the $44 billion went into SPY, IVV. Bagged another eight point three three billion. So two ETFs that really follow the broader market or S and P five hundred. Half the money went into two ETFs. Passive index crowding. You know this is the herd, right? Chasing returns. People don't want to be left behind. Everybody's getting a little crazy. They always do at the end of a market cycle. Very much a frenzy speculation. We see it. It's okay as long as it doesn't unwind to the downside. If it does, the same herd mentality that essentially is driving the market higher and creating unbelievable returns in the top concentrated stocks of the S&P 500 or the major market indexes, you know, the FANG trade, that reverses. We've got a crowded sale, sell, everybody panic selling, on the other side, blood in the streets, and we're going to see the herd run right off the cliff, Jeez. and that's a bad thing. That is a bad thing. in terms of returns, right? Absolutely. With all of the fundamental support that we're talking about, you know, tax policy, fast growth in the economy, fast growth in the corporate earnings and revenue sectors, you know, infrastructure spending maybe coming next, reduced regulation. The fundamentals are telling us that this is a great time to be investing in stocks. Yeah, the fundamentals are insane. I mean, sales growth, we didn't even, we were alluding to it, but it's its insanely strong. Uh, materials uh, up 14%, consumer discretionary up 13%, infotech up 13%. Everyone else is posting pretty much high, um, you know, single digit numbers, really close to teens. Uh, you know, getting into double digits or teens. I mean, and, and we still have a lot of companies reporting. So this could be uh, a really uh, strong earnings season here. You bet. You bet. This, this, is, this is, is when you should be investing in well, stocks. Well, you would think so, right? But it doesn't matter. 
the markets are controlled by where capital is flowing or leaving, right? right? And if the crowded passive trade unwinds because people become fearful and they want to reduce their exposure to equities quickly. Yeah. This is going to look like it did in 2008. Well, you just sent me an article this morning about this. Yes. Financial Times and how smaller segments of the ETF marketplace that track certain indexes and stuff like that can become distorted by inflows and outflows. You bet. I mean, Financial Times wrote a nice piece. You know, we uh, all last year, uh, over the last year or so, we've been writing about this passive indexing crowded trade. And Financial Times came out and basically saying, you know, the risk to the passive trade is really under appreciated. It's a huge risk and we got to pay attention before people get hurt again on the downside, which is really what we care about. We don't want people to get hurt. I actually wrote a piece on Friday and I said, you know, this is a gut check for investors. Right now, the, the, the markets decline on Friday and of last week, right, down about four, almost four percent or so. Right. Um, you know, with two, two, two and a half percent off the major indexes. I mean, the Dow was down two and a half big down um, on Friday. It's a gut check for investors. You know, they only have seen the market go up. They haven't seen it for go down. For years. Right? For yep. years. They've gotten used to the fact that you wake up in the morning, the sun rises, and the market and goes up. And you don't up. even have to worry about your portfolio. It just well, goes you, up. You do have to worry. Every day. In 1987, markets were up huge to start the year. We covered this a week we went, or two ago. We went yep. in. They were, they were up big, 30 plus percent. Yep. And we went into October. And on a Friday in October, markets fell, right, on that Friday. And then we woke up on Monday to Black Monday. It was kind of a market massacre, down 20% or so for the day, down 30% total, you know, 32% or so. And um, that was a big decline people weren't expecting. The market can unwind pretty fast. 2008, we saw it unwind pretty fast. In 1999, going into 2000, after 2000, Tech unwound very quickly. You have to be careful. You got to have risk mitigation. You got to have the ability to capture your profits, which is what this whole thing's about. Buy low, sell high. How do you do that? You sell high. If you've got the profits, you got to be able to sell. People don't want to give up on more profits. But unless you have a process to do that, you're going to run into some trouble. All right. Let's talk about the revenue side for one second. Let's get back to that. And the reason why we said revenue is going to tell the tale, we've got very strong revenue in first quarter projected at 7.1% uh, by fact set, 75 in the second quarter. And then all of a sudden, we see analyst estimates for revenue fall in the, in the third quarter to 6.8. And by the end of the year, we're under 5% revenue growth. So revenue growth tells the tale on what comes next for earnings growth. So there's a quarter lag, right? You're going to see, essentially, if revenue starts falling, earnings are going to start falling. If you combine that with rising interest rates on the Fed, the market looks like it's going to run into trouble late in 2018, early 2019. If there is a big pullback or any kind of material pullback right now, I expect it to be short, brief. It could be nasty. But I think that the other side of the equation, as long as the Fed doesn't get too aggressive, looks extremely strong because the fundamentals are great. All right. So uh, we'll be back in just a moment. Do you need income? 
WBAI's retirement income strategy focuses on keeping investors' capital base intact in order to grow and provide income leading to and in retirement. The strategy combines dividend-paying stocks with high-quality corporate or high-yield bonds. Learn more at WBIinvestments.com. Hey, we're back. Hey. Hey. Fire of that chainsaw. Hey, look, you know. Hey, wait a minute. I haven't been chainsawed on. Come on. I know. Well, the markets, you know, have, have uh, you know, been chopping some negative wood lately. So I just figured, you know, we'd bring back the chainsaw for a second. You know, so speaking of chainsaws, what is with bond investors at the moment? I mean, AG, AGG is flowed in some, you know, a billion and a half dollars this year. I mean, are people, I mean, you're buying the broader bond market here, the whole tranche of everything, short, intermediate, long-term duration, the good stuff, the bad stuff. Is that something people really should be investing in there? I mean, I, I <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't, you're talking about rising rates. You so know, I don't understand. Why would you, you buy know, the, the whole, whole the, uh, enchilada? Just because, uh, you know, the Fed's been raising interest rates for two years almost, right? So December of 15, they start raising rates. Throughout 16, they raise rates a couple of times. And interest rates drifted a little bit higher on the 10-year Treasury, which basically sets the yield curve for most, you know, bond-type assets, whether it's corporates or municipals or whatever, and um, on a relative basis, right? So the 10-year Treasury kind of spiked up in the beginning of the year in 2016. And you're killing it with the spikes. And then fell back, right? Yep. Right? So there's inflation didn't show up. The bond market didn't believe that rates were going to go higher and stay higher. They thought bond rates would come down. And they, in fact, that they did. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, we have a couple of things that are going on that I think bond investors are missing. And it's causing them essentially to run right into the wood chipper. Oh, oh, fire up that chainsaw. You do not want to run into a wood chipper, I can tell you that. No, you don't. That, so that, that would be a bloody mess. Here, here's what bond investors are missing, and it's because they haven't seen, most bond investors There's haven't seen a 10% decline in, in at least the last decade, yeah. and they haven't probably seen So the it. enchiladas have tasted good for a long time now. Bonds are looking good, right? Got to eat, right? And, and people have been saying, hey, I don't want to be in bonds. A couple of years ago, people were saying, man, I don't want any money in bonds. And then bonds turned out to be a great investment for the year. That was 2000 and maybe 15. 2016, they looked okay. 2017, we started to see bonds actually underperform pretty materially. You know, uh, U.S. corporate bonds as measured by, you know, AGG, which is, you know, broad uh, types of yeah, bonds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Treasuries, so, corporates, hey, et cetera, were only up 3% yeah. last year. Yeah, it, 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 nothing to write home about it. The enchiladas didn't taste that good, and it's looking like they but might we've go. Got, we've got rising inflation. We've got the Fed about to get more aggressive with their policy, in our opinion, and the 30-year bull market in bonds. Could be dead. No, that is dead. That's behind us. That's already happening. People, wave to it. It's in the rear view mirror, exactly. everybody. They're driving. They're See driving the car down. They're driving their car down the road at 100 miles an hour. Waving in the rear view mirror. And they're only looking in the rear view And they're just about to hit a telephone pole. Well, I hope I hope they don't. Let's, Yikes. Okay, let's, so let's, let's, hey, let's be let's careful shift, about hey, those bond, bond yeah, investments. Let's, yeah, let's be careful about that. Now, markets, markets have been down. Uh, I wanted to, to hit this a little bit. Um, you know, we haven't talked a lot about recently about... Uh, what WBI is doing, and there's been some volatility. Markets have been down. 
I would assume with the active process, we haven't talked about this in a while, but WBI is active for a lot of its product, either to try and take advantage of opportunity by low, sell high, or or on the sell side, there's that discipline there, right, to to sell stuff. Uh, Raise cash, baby. So, cash is so king has that in a been, declining market. Has that been happening right now with markets being down over the last week or so? Have, have Has WBI raised some cash? Sure, like everybody else. You know, you go back to 2013, 14, 15, 16. You know, the Fed is disturbing the way the markets work because they had, you know, zero interest rates for years, quantitative easing. Every investor knows that around the world that the U.S. markets are backstopped by the Federal Reserve Board. They've been very accommodative, so we've heard. So the Fed went, you know, the, the Fed had to backstop, and markets continued to march higher. Re- it didn't matter what so, was happening. So- we actually had a very, very bad earnings and revenue recession in the United States during 2015 and first half of 2016, and the market ignored it all and went higher. That typically never happens so what do you do if you're trying to participate in markets and you actually have a process that pays attention to the fundamentals? Many managers struggled. We did during that period why? of time. Why? And the reason why we do is we look for stocks that are great opportunities. Uh, we can buy cheap, right? So everything's at massive all-time highs, and they keep going higher every day. Sun comes up. Stocks go up, so they get yeah, more you overvalued. Want to be invested in that type of hey, environment. If the markets get, are overvalued, they can revert to mean. The pendulum can swing the so other way. So what keeps you out? So in our process, in that why'd you lag? Hang on a second, on, man. Hang on a second. Spill the beans. We have we have risk mitigation built into the way we buy and in the oh. way we sell. So once we buy a stock, we have a dynamic well, wait a second, goal setting and a stop that we set under the position to manage the risk of holding that security. And we got stopped out on that 2015 August, huge volatility to the downside. And on the buy side, we couldn't find positive earnings and revenue trends for enough securities that we could get back fully invested. So was that the case in 16 too? We were just talking about Brexit market, you know, uh, I think it was June 24th. Boom, goes down pretty good. Absolutely. You know, until those earnings cash, if you're buying stocks that are overvalued right, and their earnings and revenue trends are not positive, they're negative. We had seven straight quarters, folks, by, uh, by the way, of negative earnings for the S&P 500. Negative earnings and revenue trends. They were falling. That's not something that's smart to do. Those are things that you avoid doing. They tend to hurt really bad. Because the markets punish you for doing so, that. So now. It didn't happen the, this time the markets, because of the Fed backstop. The markets have softened a little bit uh, over the last week or so. We yeah. saw big volatility to the downside on Friday. I would assume you hit some stops. Sure. Um, so and, here's the And what's news. the difference between 15 and 16 and now? Is there a difference? Sure. So um, one of the things that we noticed because the Fed continue continues to and continued to kind of distort the markets and make the fundamentals matter less than that they have historically, is we enhanced our process. We made some small uh, tweaks to our process, same process, but made some improvements so that we could participate more fully, get more quickly invested in the stocks. And in the second half of 2016, 
earnings for the first time started to perk up. So Revenue started to turn So positive. the fundamentals are good now. Now the fundamentals are good. We were able to get back fully invested very quickly, and we got, you know, all pretty much of that Trump bump after the election because we were fully invested. Normally that wouldn't happen in an overvalued market, right? So one of the enhancements we made is to look at stocks on a relative basis. Our job is to buy stocks that are the best values we can find relative to their industry sector and relative to the markets. And so by using this relative approach in our valuation model, um, we were able to get fully invested, which is great. Now, most recently, in the last week or so, we've seen some downside volatility. What we had to do because we were taking more risk by allowing ourselves to get more fully invested is we had to find a way to be able to seek cash protection quicker. And just in the last week, we've seen our uh, dynamic trailing stop process that we manage internally um, raise cash very quickly and harvest gains and protect capital. Hello. Hello. We got, we got, a, we got an incoming call here, and it says, hey, uh, Don, uh, you know, so you're, you're talking relative valuation. So there, there's two pieces to the analysis that occurs here. One is that if uh, stocks were uh, not, uh, you know, an attractive value, we just went invest. That was a little bit more heavily weighted in the process. But the second piece was fundamentals, and fundamentals were just bad back then. So now you have a better blend PE or, or valuation in the model is not as heavily weighted, correct? But, so, so what we so so even if the the, the stocks are at a high uh, point like they are right now, as long as the fundamentals are pretty good, you're still finding good relative value, right? Sure. So if you take the uh, PE as an example, price to earnings ratio on the stock, and let's say that that uh, price to earnings ratio is cheap relative to the market. Seventeen, peers. Right? right, on a trailing right. uh, basis, trailing twelve month basis, and its industry sector, right, has an average PE across its constituents in the industry of nineteen. So that stock is relatively cheap against its industry peers. Sure, yeah. So that would if, indicate it's a good buy as long as it has great fundamentals. If the right? S and P's got a PE of twenty two then the stock's looking like a good relative value, sure. good opportunity. By doing so, we actually help ourselves to improve our security selection and give ourselves a chance to outperform even in this kind of market cycle because investors tend to look for those stocks that have a little upside uh, potential. So if the market negativity here continues in terms of the negative trend, raise some more cash, I would assume, correct? Oh, yeah. And if it improves, you would you would an anticipate that we could get pretty fully invested. So that, or, or so WDI as, would right. You bet. So as long as we have a uh, a positive uh, price trend at the individual security level, so there'll be plenty of stocks that are going up on a down day. Um, as the market starts to recover, like it did this morning, it it looked like it was going to be you know pretty negative, and then it turned uh, more positive. You're going to get some buys. Uh, that pass, and uh, we're going to get invested. All right. So we're going to so, get really quickly invested. So in, we can also very quickly raise cash to protect that capital. Right. So in summation here, I mean, 15 and 16, if you're looking at our ETFs, soft years in terms of performance, potentially relative to the markets. I'd also point out that, you know, we are a value buyer. So if you looked at value indexes, 
in 15. We were pretty darn close to that. But o- overall, 15 and 16, a little bit softer. But 17 was a great year, right, Don? 17 was a fantastic year. Compared to value uh, indexes, we outperformed pretty dramatically. Um, we got really close to, uh, you know, the market uh index performances, which include, you know, uh, a growth in technology, non-dividend paying stock um, bias that we don't really have, uh, but superior security selection, as I've described it, uh, helps us win. So the SMIDs didn't perform like the S&P 500, small mid-cap stocks, but did pretty well relative to their segment. And and large cap, actually, we were. it would seem that uh, across the board, punching a little bit above the uh, the weight class, so to speak, in that you know uh, most of the ETFs there outperformed value indexes. And, and a few got closer, even beat the S&P last year, right? Yes. So, I, you know, uh, we have large cap and SMID. In, my, in our opinion, in terms of, you know, having a uh, complete portfolio uh, kind of allocation, you want to have large cap and some SMID. You don't want to walk away from your smaller and mid-cap size companies because under this tax act, they get the biggest tax benefit reduction. They go from 35% corporate rate down to 21% corporate rate uh, for the most part, and that's a huge increase, about 40% increase in their net after-tax profit just from the tax So people act. are being a little short-sighted then in, in terms of ETF flows, just going back to half the flows are going into the S&P 500. More people, the stock prices should do better there, right, because of that extra capital those companies have to work with, right? So theoretically, their Large, stock prices should be like rocket ship. They, well, they should be holding like, up better than they are, right, right? we think. Um, but stock prices are, are being driven by this crowded uh, trade into the large cap indexes that have given the best performance. The SMIDs underperformed last year, so the money's going to rotate to large cap. Um, where you want to be over the long term, I think you want to have, you know, a balance of both. Um, large cap stocks, by the way, the average uh, tax rate paid by large cap companies is about 26%. Going to 21% is not a huge uh, increase in net after-tax profit. The big driver there is really the repatriation and the capital that comes back in. And we'll have to see what companies do it and how much it affects their stock price. But that uh, repatriation benefits more short-term. The small and mid-cap sum, uh, companies' uh, tax uh, uh, benefit is going to be long-term. And so uh, it's permanent, you know, that that increase in net after-tax profit. So we wouldn't uh, count uh, SMIDs out yet. I think that small caps uh, underperform in the first half. They'll probably outperform um, after that. Uh, I think the stock buybacks that we're going to see for large caps could overwhelm um, the the SMID uh, tax benefit uh, this year. So we'll have to see how this plays out, you know, It'll be interesting to watch. All right. Well, hey, as always, thank you for listening to, you know, Bull Bear Radio. Check us out on iTunes. Uh, If you don't follow Don or I on Twitter, WBI CEO for Don, WBI president for me. Uh, so, so, uh, you know, check us out, check out, uh, the podcast here on iTunes. Love it. Like it, uh, you know, write us a couple of good comments, uh, if you like it, you know, um, so, uh, thanks again or call in. 
We get we have callers now. Yeah, now we have callers. We get callers here live on uh, Bull Bear Radio. So please do call us. We, we we'd love to 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 make the show a little bit more interactive. So anyway, thanks again. We'll see you back next week. This is Bull Bear Radio, where each week you can count on our real market news and advice. Catch all of our podcast episodes at wbiinvestments.com. Past performance does not guarantee future results. The views presented are those of the podcast participants and should not be construed as investment advice. Podcast participants or clients of WBI may own stock discussed in this recording. All economic and performance information is historical and not indicative of future results. This is not an offer to buy or sell any security. No security or strategy, including those referred to directly or indirectly in this podcast, is suitable for all accounts or profitable all of the time and there is always a possibility of loss. Moreover, you should not assume that any discussion or information provided here serves as a receipt of or as a substitute for personalized investment advice from WBI or from any other investment professional. To the extent that you have any questions regarding the applicability of any specific issue discussed to your individual situation, please consult with WBI or the professional advisor of your choosing. This information is compiled from sources believed to be reliable. Accuracy cannot be guaranteed. Information pertaining to WBI's advisory operations services and fees is set forth in WBI's disclosure statement in Part 2A of Form ADB, a copy of which is available upon request. The WBI dynamic trailing stop is not a stop loss order or stop limit order placed with a brokerage firm, but an internal process for monitoring price movements. While the DTS may be used to initiate WBI's process for selling a security, it does not assure that a particular execution price will be received.